Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the life we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Amen. Called to live commanded to love, commissioned to serve. That's who we are. That's how we show up in the world. And if you can't remember all of that, you can remember these three words because we live, we love, and we serve. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just grab your Bibles or your phones or whatever means you have. Um, This morning, we're going to be reading from um, the book of Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. Amen. Um, And we're going to be reading out of the first chapter and then out of the third chapter. So if you will turn to the book of Daniel. So grateful for my pastor for giving me this opportunity uh, to be before you. I don't take it lightly or for granted. Amen. So grateful for him in his absence. He is well. He is preaching um, with his best friend, uh, Pastor A. Byron Coleman, uh, who was with us for Pastor Mike's anniversary. And now Pastor Mike is with him for his anniversary there at the Fifth Street Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, And so here we are, Daniel, the first chapter. And we'll start reading. And this is in the NRSV. We'll start reading at uh, verse three. Y'all got it? Y'all got it? Amen. Uh, And it reads, Then the king commanded his palace master, Ashpenaz, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of nobility, young men without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve in the king's palace. They were to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years so that at the end of that time, they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah. The palace master gave them other names. Daniel, he called Belteshar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. And let's go down to the third chapter, and we'll start reading at verse 13. 
Daniel 3 and 13. And it reads, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods? And you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But, somebody say but. If you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let God deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Can I keep reading? Then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men that we threw into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men 
unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their tunics were not harmed, and not even the smell of fire came from them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that utters blasphemy against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruin for there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Mm. God, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this reminder that you are the most high God. God, thank you for this gathering today. We thank you that your spirit is in this place. We thank you that because you are here, when we leave, we will not be the same. We will be stronger. We will be wiser. We will be better. We will be filled with joy and peace and love and the gifts of your spirit. Thank you in advance for changing what needs to be changed and shifting what needs to be shifted so that we will always remember that we are never alone. God, allow me to stand in this place, but allow your sons, your daughters, your children to hear you more than they see me. Stand tall in me, O oh God, that your children might receive this word from you. And we give you the honor and we give you the glory and we give you all the praise for you are worthy. And we say hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we say amen. And you can take your seats. Amen. Man, sometimes you can just read the story and that feels like it's enough. I mean, my God, this story, it is so rich. Um, and what really, what it was saying to me and, and reminding me of and what I want to remind you of today is that you are never alone. You're never alone. No matter how bad it looks, you're never alone. No, how, no matter how lonely it feels, you are never alone. And I know a lot of us have felt alone over these past 18, 19 months, especially when we were isolated and had to keep to ourselves. We were locked up in our homes, not able to go to work, not able to gather with our family and friends for fear of what this virus had done and could potentially do. There were many of us who rehearsed in our minds um, how lonely it was, how difficult it was. Some of us saw ourselves slipping into places of depression and, and places of, of anxiety. But I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters, that even when you felt most alone, you were not alone. For God was with you. God is with you. God will be with you. You are never alone. Right? Is that good news? Somebody needs to know that today. That no matter how it feels, no matter how it looks, you are never alone. That God is with you. That there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing that can separate you from God's love because God's love endures forever. My brothers and my sisters, you are never alone. And even when you feel like God is not with you, God is with you. God is right there with you, giving you everything you need in order to continue to move forward. My brothers and my sisters, you are never alone. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're never alone. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you're never alone. I think that's the message that is trying to be communicated us today in this story about these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These, this community um, was basically besieged by Babylon. Um, and so when the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, came and defeated Judah, uh, he took over everything. Uh, he took over the houses. He took over the land. Many of the people he forced into slavery. Um, but he told the, the guards, he said, listen, I want you to go um, and select uh, a few of the men, um, those who are intelligent, those who are smart, those who are handsome without any defect, those who are from prominent houses. And I want you to come in and bring them because I want them to serve in my court. This is another example um, of what empire does when they take over. They try to take you out of your context, put you in their context so that you can basically become one of them. It then shows the other nations their power in the fact that they were able to relocate you from where you were into the king's course and make you subservient to the king. Uh, we know we know uh, about these things. This is the same thing that happened um, with enslaved people who were brought from Africa. They were brought over to this country. Their names were changed. The customs uh, were tried to take away so that we then could become a part uh, of this nation. This is what's happened to these three Hebrew boys. 
They were minding their own business and found themselves um, in the king's court being trained to serve of the king. The first chapter talks about how uh, the king was giving them rations. They were supposed to eat of the king's rations. It was Daniel, uh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, and they said, you know what? We're not going to eat of the king's portions. But the guard said, no, you got to eat because if you then after, you know, 10 days, after uh, 30 days show up and you're thinner than the other men, then I'm going to get in trouble because I'm the one that's supposed to make sure that you're eating so that you can be strong enough to serve in the king's court. Well, we might know this story about how they said, listen, we're not going to eat the king's food. Give us vegetables and water. That's where the Daniel fast came from. Y'all know about the Daniel fast. Amen. Uh, and, and so they fasted for 10 days and they found that after that 10 days, they were still as strong. As a matter of fact, they were stronger than the other men who were eating the king's portions, eating the meat and drinking the wine. Um, and so they had gotten favor. They had gotten favor. They had gotten favor. And here um, in this chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar had set them up over as rulers in Babylon. Um, he got to the point where he built this huge statue. Uh, it says it was 60 by 6 cubits, which is basically about 90 feet tall. 90 feet tall statue. And he said, listen, I have built this statue and I need everybody who can see it to fall down and worship when you hear the band come into play. And the band is going to play every instrument we have in Babylon. So as soon as you hear the song, I need you to bow down and worship. And so the band came and they played the song and everybody bowed down and worship. Except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and the men of Chaldea were looking at them and saying, first of all, they got some nerve. Because they're already serving over us. They didn't appreciate that at all. But not only are you serving over us, but now you're refusing to bow down and do what the king has commanded us to do. And so they went and they reported this to the king. The king then said, hey, what are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean they're not bowing down? I said that when the music begins, everybody needs to bow down. But these men were not bowing down. So he said, you know what? Bring them to me. Bring them to me. And this is where we pick this story up. They're brought before the king. And the king says, well, maybe uh, you didn't understand what I was communicating. Uh, maybe you didn't get the message the way I intended for you to get the message. So let me say it to you face to face. Uh, I have built this statue and I am requiring everyone to worship this statue. Uh, and so when you hear the band playing, I need for you to fall down. And worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard what the king was saying, but refused to do what the king asked them to do. And they said to him, listen, we are not going to bow down and worship, and we don't even owe you a defense. In my mind, I'm like, oh my God, they are standing before the man who has the power to execute them. And yet they had courage in the midst of all of that. 
I'm looking at them and I'm saying, what was going on with them? What gave them the courage? What gave them the, the character? What gave them the confidence to be able to say to the king, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do because I know the God that I serve. And I really believe that even though they were brought from Judah in captivity, they remembered those Old Testament scriptures. They remembered uh, that command that thou shalt not have any gods before me, that you should not bow down to any other gods. And so they chose to keep that command and follow that command instead of following the king's command. It says to me that they had character, right? Character. Somebody say character. My mom told me that character uh, is what you do when no one's looking. Because when you get in front of folk, you might do things to impress folk. You might do things to make folk think that you're a certain kind of way. But when you're by yourself, your character is who you are when no one is looking. I remember I was a little girl, maybe about six years old. My mom had sent me to the corner store to get some milk. And so when I went to the corner store to get the milk, the lady um, wasn't behind the counter. And so as I walked around the store to get the milk, I saw some candy. I didn't have any money to get any candy, um, but I saw the candy and I wanted the candy. After I saw the candy, I saw some gum. I really loved gum. So I looked around, looked to the left, I looked to the right, and nobody was looking. And so I took the gum and I put it in my pocket, thinking that no one saw me. I went up to the counter, I took the milk, I paid for the milk. She was nice, she knew me, I knew her. How you doing? Good. She gave me the milk, I ran home, I got home, I gave my mom the milk, I went in my room. I went in my room, my mom said, how did everything go? It was good. I went in my room, I took the candy. I couldn't wait, couldn't wait. Took it out, started chewing the, chewing the gum, it was gum. My mom came in, I'm blowing bubbles. She was like, where you get that gum from? I said, the store. She said, with what money did you buy the gum? I knew I was in trouble. My mom made me take the rest of the pack of gum back to the store, apologize to the woman. And that's when she began to teach me about character and how who you are is more important than what you see. How who you are on the inside is more important than what may be happening on the, on the outside. And I think this is the same message. Amen, somebody. Um, because that day I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I got punished. I got a spanking. I mean, whatever I could have gotten, I got on that day because my mom wanted me to understand that this is not who you are and this is not what you do. And this is not how you get the things that you want in life by taking things that don't belong to you. That will never get you anywhere. It was a hard lesson uh, to learn, but it was a lesson that I learned. And I realized that these Hebrew boys had character. They had character. They would not allow the external pressure um, to affect their internal principles. They knew who they were on the inside. They were children of the most high God. And so nothing on the outside, not even the threat of death, was going to make them change who they were on the inside. And some of us need to check our character because some of us will fall down for anything rather than standing up for the very things we need to be standing up for. Some of us need to check our character. Because sometimes we'll do what's easy instead of what's right. Sometimes we need to check our character to make sure that we're not falling and succumbing to things that are not us. Because it's easy. 
Some of us in this situation would have bowed down and said, okay, God, I'm really bowing in my knees, but I'm not bowing in my heart. But that's not true character. Because character says no, no matter what is happening on the outside, I know who I am on the inside. I know who I serve on the inside. I know that God is with me on the inside. I know who I am. I know who I serve. And I will not bow to this God or any God. I just need to know if there's five people in here that have some character who recognize that there is no God that will make you bow to them. No God of greed, no God of loneliness, no God of depression, no God will make you bow because you serve the most high God. Ask your neighbor, do you have some character this morning? Uh, when you have character, you don't have to defend yourself because God is your defender. They didn't make any excuses. They didn't teach him the Old Testament scriptures. They just said, we don't have to defend who we are because we know. And when you know who you are, you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. You do what God is calling you to do and you keep on walking. You say what God has called you to say and you keep on stepping when you know who you are. Not only did they have character, but they had courage. Somebody say courage. Courage moving forward in spite of fear. I'm sure they had to have some fear. I mean, anybody looking at a furnace filled with fire has to have a little fear. But courage says, uh, I don't care how afraid I am. I'm going to move forward and do what God is calling me to do regardless of the outcome. Now, this is hard sometimes. This is hard sometimes. I've heard people say, you know, well, it was a life or death situation. Well, maybe if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's a life or death situation. But the reality is, is most of the situations that we face are a life or life situation. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so it's really not life or death. It really is life or life. And that's what they understood. They understood. That part of the reason they were in captivity in the first place was because they were worshiping other gods. The Israelites as a community were worshiping other gods. And so that worship of other gods led them to be captive and now in Babylon. Uh, and now they are being forced or, or, or the king is trying to force them to worship another god. They said, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We would rather face what God has for us than what you have for us. And sometimes we have to recognize that, that God has more for us than any person ever could. And they said, we will not bow. They had character. They had courage. But finally, they had confidence. Uh, they had confidence in who God was, not necessarily what God could do. And there's a difference. Because we have experience in who God is. We also have experience in what God can do. But as we worship and as we serve, it can't be based totally on what God could do. Because maybe God will and maybe God won't. But, but you have history. The same way that they had history. They had history. They knew they served a God who could deliver them. They, they served a God who delivered their ancestors out of Egypt. They served a God who delivered their ancestors uh, when, when the, the death angel uh, was coming through and the death angel passed over when they had the blood of the lamb on the doorboard. They served a God who had delivered them uh, and their ancestors from the Red Sea. They knew that God could deliver. 
that you know it was nothing but God? Has God brought you through something that you know you would not have been able to get? I just need about five people who know that God is a deliverer. I just need about five people who recognize that God can deliver you from your worst mess and still bless you on top of that. Even when that worst mess was your fault, God can still bring you through it. No matter how hard it was, God brought you through it. No matter how bad it looked, God brought you through it. No matter what anybody else said, God brought you through it. No matter what you believe, God brought you through it in spite of your doubts. God brought you through it in spite of your fear. God brought, is there anybody here that knows that our God is a deliverer? Say yes! I think sometimes we need to start writing some stuff down so that we don't forget that we recognize what God has done for us because as soon as we get into a difficult situation, we start doubting as if God has not already brought us through worse, as if God has not already brought us through in the past, and we sit there and focus on what we can see instead of focusing on what we know. We know that God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to that power that is at work in us. They knew that God was a deliverer. And that's why they could speak with such confidence if God can deliver us. And if God does deliver us, we'll praise the Lord. But if God doesn't, we're still not going to bow. I just want to know today, how big is your God? Because some of us act like we serve a small God who can't do much. But if we know that we serve the God who created the universe, if we know we serve the God who set the stars in the sky, if we know we serve a God who made this earth 75% water, but the water doesn't overtake the land, if we know we serve a God that knows every hair on our hands, if we know who we serve, then why are we making God smaller than what God is? Saying what God can't do. Saying what God won't do. Why are we trying to make God fit into our preconceived notion of who God is? Whatever you're thinking about God, God is more. Whatever you're thinking about God, God is bigger. Whatever you're thinking about God, God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. According to that power, somebody say power. Uh, we know that we serve a big God when we try to do big things. Sometimes we get those big opportunities. The only way we can go forward is when we know we serve a big God. Um, I may not have all the qualifications, but guess what? I'm going to apply anyway. You know why? Because I serve a big God. I serve a big God who can do more than I can even imagine or think. I may not be the one that's best fit, but I'm still going to go through. You know why? Because I serve a big God. A God who can deliver me from myself. Because sometimes the deliverance ain't from out external forces. Sometimes the deliverance has to be in our mind. Where the thought starts, where the seed is planted, when we start doubting ourselves. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do it. Oh, it's not going to work out. Oh, I don't know how that's going to happen. I, oh, but you have a God 
that you served that specializes in special assignments. Oh, we got to give God more of a chance to intervene. Some of us don't make room for God's intervention in our lives because we're playing it safe. And as long as you're playing it safe, God will let you play it safe. But I dare you to get uh, tied up. I dare you to get shackled up. I dare you to get in a fiery furnace. I dare you to get nailed to a cross. God specializes in opening up graves and rolling the stone away. God specializes in showing up in the midst of our mess. Ask your neighbor, how big is your God? Oh, sometimes we don't want God to get us to the fire. Sometimes we just want God to get us through. God, get us through. God, get me past. God, get me over. But I heard a song that says, I'm coming up on the rough side of the mountain. And I've got a hold to God's unchanging hand. Sometimes we need to pray that God give us the courage to go to the fire because it's when we go to the fire that God shows up in a special kind of way. Some of us have never seen God in a special kind of way because we avoid the fires. But I dare you to get caught up in a fiery furnace and look to your left. I dare you get caught up in a fiery furnace and look to your right. I dare you to get caught up in a fiery furnace and look in front of you and look behind you because God is all over you and with you when you need God most. Um, I like it. I like this story because um, I would say that the three Hebrew boys had a but if not testimony. Um, some of us are so focused on getting what we want from God. We want God to live up to our standards and expectations. That we don't give God the opportunity or give ourselves the opportunity to say, but if not. But I just need about five people in here that have a but if not testimony. Uh, God, I need you to heal uh, my mother. But if not, I'm still going to worship you. God, I need you to save my marriage. But if not. I'm still going to worship you, God. I need you to make sure that I get this job to show all those haters that you're in control. But if not, I'm still going to worship you. Is there anybody in here that knows how to pray for what you want, but also knows how to add, but if not, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. God, I love you. And if you do what I ask, I'm going to love you. But if not, I'm still going to love you. Is there about five people in here? Just five that have a buddy in my testimony. That God has been too good to you. That God has brought you through too much for you to sit down on God right now. I like it because what the three Hebrew boys are saying is it's possible, but it's not necessary. It's possible. God, God is able, uh, but not obligated. I, I know you can do it, God, 
But if you don't, maybe there is some divine purpose that I don't understand because your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. So God, I know you can, but if you don't, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to worship you. Uh, uh, I was sitting here and I realized as I was looking um, at the names, I said, now in the first chapter, uh, they were called by their Hebrew names. Um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Um, but by the time we get to chapter three, uh, they're no longer called Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah. They are now called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, and it made me start thinking about roots. Y'all remember Coach Kente? And how when he was brought onto the, the plantation, uh, they tried to give him a new name. And they told him his name was Toby. Oh, y'all know the movie. Uh, and they asked him, what's your name? And he said, Kunta Kente. Uh, and they, it's almost like they were trying to beat a name into him. But he knew who he was. And the way that he knew who he was in this story is because we still call him Kunta Kente. We don't call him. And I wonder if when they were by themselves, they didn't refer to each other as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I, I wonder, because when I looked up the, the names, I, I looked up the spelling, the, 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 the definition, uh, and Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. Uh, Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah, oh my God, yes, sister, yes. And Azariah means Yahweh has helped. Now, they gave them Babylonian names. So Shadrach means um, command of Aku. And Aku is the Babylonian god of the moon. So you want Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious to go by the name Shadrach, command of the God of the moon. Mishael means who is like God. But they gave him the Babylonian name Meshach, which means who and what Aku is. Who and what the Babylonian God of the moon is. Uh, Azariah which means Yahweh has helped, was given the Babylonian name Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. Nebo is the Babylonian god of wisdom. So what y'all are saying is y'all want to take our Hebrew names, which shows our connection to the God that we serve. And you want to give us names of a false god that we won't bow down to? I, I just need us to reclaim their names today because uh, their names were powerful and had meaning. I need us to, to start referring to them as Hananiah. Yahweh is gracious. And me 
Mishael, who is like God, and Azariah, Yahweh has helped because I believed that when they were alone, that's what they called each other, to remind each other that even in a foreign land, we still serve a mighty God. I believed that they called each other by their Hebrew names when they were alone to remind them that nothing can separate them from the love of God because God's love and mercy endures forever. And I just came to ask you this morning, what names are you answering to? What names have you allowed to be put upon you? Because I remember my mother saying, don't let nobody call you out of our name, but we find ourselves bowing down and accepting names of loneliness, accepting names of greed, accepting names of pitiful, accepting names of weak, but we are strong even when we're weak. And I just want you to do a name check and make sure you're not answering to a name that is beneath who you are. I don't believe for a single moment that it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that went into that fiery furnace. I know in my heart it was Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah because they knew who they were and they knew the God they served. Is there anybody in here that knows their name? I am redeemed, bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you, if anybody asks you just who I am, tell them I am redeemed. Are you redeemed? Walk with the Christ. Oh, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I am redeemed. Hallelujah. I am holy. Hallelujah. I am righteous. Hallelujah. I am strong. Hallelujah. I am the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. I am above and not beneath. Hallelujah. I am a lender and not a borrower. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here that knows who you are? Ooh. Oh. Oh. as I close this sermon today, I want to bring to your attention, you all know how I love non-canonical texts. Non-canonical texts are texts that were written during the same time that other texts in the Bible were written, but they were excluded from the canon. The canon is the Bible. A non-canonical text is a, a, a scripture that's that just as powerful, stop the music, just as powerful, but is not in the Bible. Are we all together? Amen. And so there are many non-canonical texts out there. 
I've preached from a few of them from this pulpit. The Gospel of Mary, non-canonical text, not included in the Bible, but just as relevant a story. The Gospel of Thomas, not included in the Bible, but just as relevant a text. The Acts of Paul and Thecla. Y'all know that girl that baptized herself when Paul refused to baptize her? Not in the Bible. Oh, y'all ain't know about that one. Not in the Bible. I wonder why. Not in the Bible, but still just as relevant a text. Well, I did a little research and I found out that the three Hebrew boys actually sang a song when they were in the fiery furnace. The song is called the song of the three holy children. Uh, many uh, religious leaders and scholars believe that this song was originally in between verse 23 when the Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace and verse 24 where King Nebuchadnezzar said, I see four people in the fire. That in between those two verses, there was a song that was sung by the Hebrew boys when they were in the fiery furnace. Can I share a little bit of it with y'all? Uh, it says the song of the three holy children, in case you want to go Google it later. Um, but the angel of the Lord came down into the oven together with Azariah and his fellows and smote the flame of the fire out of the oven and made the mist of the furnace as it had been a moist whistling wind so that the fire touched them not at all, neither hurt nor troubled them. Then the three, as out of one mouth, praised, glorified, and blessed God in the furnace, saying, Blessed are thou, O Lord God of our fathers, and to be praised and exalted above all forever. And blessed is thy glorious and holy name and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thine holy glory and to be praised and glorified above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and sittest upon the cherubims and to be praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom and to be praised and glorified above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven and above all to be praised and glorified forever. Can, can y'all help me with this? You know, back in the day, we used to do a, a, a we would say and, and, and repeat, we, we, would, we would take turns with, with that call and response. Um, I, I prepared a slide. Did you all get the slide? Did you get the slide? No? Did you get the slide? I can't see y'all. Okay. This is, your, this is your portion. Can we say it together? Praise and exalt God above all forever. Y'all got it? So I'm going to say my part, and then I'm going to, 
uh, open it up so that you can say your part just for the rest of these few verses. Can we do that together? Because I want us to understand the depth of their praise in the midst of a fire that wasn't touched them in front of a king who thought he had authority over them and wanted them to bow down to a statue that didn't even have breath. You ready? All ye works of the Lord, bless ye the Lord. Oh, ye heavens, bless the Lord. Oh, ye angels of the Lord, bless the Lord. Can I get a little music? Uh, oh, angels of the Lord, bless ye the Lord. Oh, all ye waters that be above heaven. Oh, powers of the Lord, bless ye the Lord. Oh, ye sun and moon, bless the Lord. Oh, ye stars of heaven, bless the Lord. Oh, every shower and dew and all the winds. Oh, I need somebody to get excited because it wasn't enough just for them to praise, but they wanted everything in the world to praise. Oh, ye fire and heat, bless the Lord. Oh, ye winter and summer, fall and spring. Oh, ye night and day, light and darkness. Oh, ye ice and cold, frost and snow. Oh, ye lightnings and clouds, bless the Lord. Let the earth bless the Lord and the mountains and the hills. It might be time to sing a song. 
Is there anybody here today that has a song in your heart? That has a song in your spirit? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All you may serve the Lord with gladness. Come before God's presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. And if He not have made us, and not we ourselves, we are God's people. And the sheep of God's pasture. Enter. Enter, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto God and bless God's name. For the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. His mercy. His mercy. His mercy is everlasting. God's truth endures for all generations. When God does the impossible for you, don't walk away and act like it was nothing. Write it down. Keep a note. Talk about it. Write a song. Allow that victory to remain with you so that when the next battle comes you're already battle ready amen 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 come on won't you stand to your feet give the Lord a hand clap of praise that you are battle ready you've got history with God you've got experience with God you know who God is and what God can do. But if not, you can still worship. You can still, listen, I know it's disappointing when God doesn't do what we want God to do. We, we all had that prayer that it felt like didn't get answered the way we wanted it to be answered. But has God kept on loving you? Has God kept on being with you? Has God kept on making God's presence known to you? So how long are you going to keep pouting? At what point do we recognize that God is able, but not obligated? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we bless your name. We thank you and we love you. We're grateful grateful today grateful for how you see us grateful that you know us grateful for how you bless us grateful for keeping our minds keeping our spirits god keeping our hearts open to you and your revelation god we thank you we thank you for courage today god we thank you we thank you for confidence today god we thank you we thank you for character today god we thank you that we are battle ready Thank you for everything that you've given us that's allowed us to get to this point right now. Thank you for reminding us that we are never alone. God, we love you. Hallelujah. God, we love you. Hallelujah. God, we love you. Hallelujah. And we ask that you keep us even while we're apart until we meet again on the other side 
For the sun neither rises nor sets because the sun is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And God, it's in your holy name that we lift this prayer and we say, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.